All right, good morning. It is 10 o'clock. We're glad you're here in the house of the Lord this morning at Living Hope. David said, I was glad, very glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord today. So I hope you are glad to be here. If not, get glad. Let's sing. Y'all stand and sing with us. Let's praise the Lord together.
Hey, good morning, Living Hope. Good morning. Yes. Yes, good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, so we are so glad you guys are joining us here today, either in-house or online. So if you're watching online, uh, there is a QR code somewhere around me. I think it's over here, maybe over here, um, that you guys can click. Uh, there's also one up on the screen there. So if you guys need a worship guide, you need some information about our church, uh, joining us and all that kind of stuff, click on that, scan that, uh, and then we'll get some information to you. All right, when you came in this morning, hopefully you were able to get one of these bad boys right here, worship guide. So in here, lots of information about what we have going on all the time, uh, and also announcements. And of course, on the back, there's a place for you to take notes uh, that's also available online on our website. Now, if you're joining us today, if you're a guest with us today, whether online or here in the house, uh, there's a card that looks like this uh, right in front of you. So in that seat back in front of you, there's a card right there. It's a connection card. Uh, so fill that out for us because we'd like to connect with you in some form or fashion. So either calling you or coming by the house or something, we want to find out who you are, uh, talk to you, and give you maybe give you a little bit more information about Living Hope. Uh, this is also available online. So if you join us online today, fill this out. On the back side, there's a prayer request piece. So if you guys have prayer requests, please put those down. And you can also, anytime with these cards, there's some uh, boxes on the back of the worship center. Just drop those in there, okay? And we'll be able to pray for you guys or welcome you. Uh, all right, so I have one announcement today, but it's jam-packed, okay? So September 19th, so there's a lot of stuff going on in the next couple of weeks. So September 19th, I want you guys to highlight that on your calendar. Okay, so if you are needing to be baptized or interested in baptism, we have baptism, so sign up for that, okay? We have hope groups starting up, okay? Yep, so we have hope groups starting up. Those are actually going to start on the 19th, so sign up for those. Okay, and then also, too, if you are new and you're interested, hey, I want to learn more about Living Hope. I want to maybe become a member. We have a new member class also on that day. So sign up. I keep saying sign up, sign up, sign up. You can sign up on our Church Center app. So if you have your phone, uh, Church Center app. If you don't have that, download it. There's also a link to it on our website. So if you don't have it, download it because we get a lot of information out through that. You can sign up through that. But also, too, as you walk out this morning, as you exit the Worship Center, there's a place for you to sign up and register for all of those things. So September 19th, a lot of things coming up in the next couple of weeks. Just like the rest of your life, where we're kicking off all kinds of things in your life. Uh, new schools, okay, if you're starting any kind, of, any kind of organizations, all that kind of stuff's all starting right now. We're also going to have a ton of stuff in the next couple of weeks. So September 19th, an important day. So sign up for those things. If you have questions, too, hey, if you're not sure if I want to sign up, stop out there at the foyer and say, hey, what is this? Check it out or check it out online. All right, so remember, Hope Group Sign Up starts today. It's actually open today. It's open today. So sign up, sign up, sign up, and then all of those are actually going to start on the 19th. Okay? Awesome. So welcome, welcome, welcome to Living Hope. Uh, if you haven't met the person next to you, it might be a good idea to do that now. Okay, do that now. Also, too, here in a second, children's chat, right? Yeah, here we go. If you guys will turn your eyes to the screen, we have children's chat coming up. Things like um, school. And we have things like maybe our, our friends. And then we have things like, well, I don't know, our families. And a lot of you have things like baseball or choir or theater something like that or band maybe and those are all cool things and here we are here we are right in the middle of them 
And sometimes it feels like even though we have all these things going on in our lives, we're really not making that big of an impact on them. But one thing I know is this. When we give ourselves to Jesus and he becomes what we're about, wherever we go, we make a big difference. Everything that we touch becomes cooler and more amazing. Not because we're there, but because we're there with Jesus. So wherever you go this week and whatever you do, take Jesus with you. Make it better so that when they see your good deeds, they'll praise your Father in heaven. All right. Y'all stand and worship him together. Man, we're glad to see you this morning. Some of y'all are in for the game. Some of you haven't we seen. We haven't seen in a long time. Uh, for all kinds of different reasons. I've actually been out a few weeks myself. But I'm glad to be here. We're going to worship the Lord. Feel free to clap, to raise your hands, to stomp your feet, to dance a little in the, in the seat there. You've got plenty of room. But we're glad you're here this morning. Um, this is a newer song for us called Death Was Arrested. Let me help you out with the chorus. Uh, it goes like this. So at least you know the chorus when we get to it. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new now. Life begins with you. It's your relentless love pouring down on us. You have made us new now. Life begins with you. All right. Pretty easy, right? All right, when we sing, y'all not singing to me. I'm not singing to the person next to you. We're singing to the Lord. So remember that. If you need to close your eyes to forget that that person's next to you, if you're, you don't think your voice is okay, well, God made your voice. If you got a problem with him, then uh, that's, that is a problem. And so uh, let's not worry about what everybody else has to say about our voices or, or how we sing or Anything like that. Let's just worship the Lord with everything we got, okay? Let's start off. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope, no place to be. Oh, your grace so free. Why 
Father God, we come to you. We come to you today. And we thank you that you are not like other gods. You're the one true living God who does not lie. That your word is sound and it is profitable for us, God. We pray that you would instruct us all today. That as we struggle and work through this scripture together, God, that you would teach us to live for you so that we can't get pushed around by all the things going on in the world. Thank you, Lord, for being who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning again. I am Howard Tipton. I'm the student pastor here. Uh, our senior pastor, Alan, is on vacation today. He is totally fine. He's doing well, um, but he is chilling. Uh, hopefully, if you're out there watching this, Alan. Um, but uh, I, I got the honor uh, to get to bring the word to you today. And uh, to You know, it, it's difficult, man, because this is a, an amazing, wonderful, terrible honor to stand in front of you and say, here's what the Word of God says, right? I mean, you know, you want, what do you want? That's good. Cool. All right, go do that. There we go. No, guys, this is perfect. This is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. I got up this morning, and, and I'm struggling. I'll just be honest with you, man. Uh, what I'm going to preach today, I believe with all my heart and soul. Uh, but I also know that I'm also me. You know, and I also know that I'm a mess at times, and I don't get it right, and I act a fool at times. And I'm like, who am I to stand up in front of you and say, here's what God says? And uh, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Eric's so amazing. Could have cut it on for me, gosh. <laughs> I ain't even touching that. I'm not even saying anything. Um, here we go. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, hey, I'm supposed to do that, too. Take some kids for me, yeah. Kinder first and second out that there. Third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Perfect. This is starting out exactly like I thought it would. Um, thank you. Um, but it, it was. It was a struggle this morning. I got up and I, I realized, you know, I'm, I'm totally unworthy to be standing up here and speaking to you and saying, here's what God says. And I called my best friend and my best helper and on the way over here. I said, Michelle, man, I'm struggling. <laughs> here's how I feel. And she goes, baby, you're right. You're right. You don't. You shouldn't. But nobody should. Nobody has a right to stand up here and say, that's what the Word of God says. Nobody has a right. That, that none of us are good enough or have it all figured out enough or have it going on so well in our lives that we ought to say, here's what you need, but not what I need. Everything that I'm saying today is for me just as much as it is for you. And I, I tell you that because it is a hard word that I'm going to bring to you today. I'm going to challenge you about some things. In fact, I'm going to insist on a few things because the Bible says to insist on them. And so if, if I step on your toes or I hurt your feelings or I make you angry with me, understand I am not preaching 
to you or at you. I'm preaching to us. Okay? I'm saying, here's what the word of God says. Here's how it impacted me this week. Here's what I've got to do about it. I'm also taking a page from my, my brother. A couple people have confused us in the last few weeks. Jacob and I are brothers. Now, I'm going to teach from my iPad today, Jacob. But you didn't have Mario Brothers on it. Mine does. Um, so, here, here's the funny thing. Here, here's the thing that was going on. Uh, we had a, f- a football game in Victoria the other night, uh, all the way down to Victoria. We won. But uh, we got all the way down there, and we were like, I am not driving back tonight. Michelle was at home because she hurt her back, and she was like, I can't drive that long. We're like, cool. I had a few of the kids with me, and we stayed down there. And since we were close to the, to the coast, we decided to go to the coast. Um, we got down there, uh, went to Surfside, the, the sand was nice, the, the water was great, or as great as it gets in Texas, right? And uh, it was really nice, good waves. And we got out there in the water, and we started doing the thing where you kind of kneel down just deep enough so that when the water hits you, it beats you up like you're an idiot rag doll. You know what I'm talking about, right? And, and I'm telling you right now, it is, <laughs> it is a disconcerting thing. It's a discombobulating thing for a guy that thinks he's big and strong to be beaten up so, like, helplessly by just a little water because there's times that it's shooting in your mouth and up your nose and you know it's a great saline rinse but you feel like an idiot when it's happening you're like dude why can't I just like sit here why can't I just stay where I'm supposed to stay why do I keep moving around right now and it it was really great because in the middle of that this literally happened I was out there floating around doing this and God was like this is what you're teaching on this week this is what I'm talking to y'all about the church at Crete was going through so much stuff. They had so much junk going on around them that they were being buffed around and taken with all these kind of stupid conversations and bad teachings and false prophecies. And they were just nowhere any firm footing. And Titus sends Paul there to give them some firm footing. And that firm footing is the gospel and Jesus Christ and doing good works. And he gave them those things so that they could anchor to that and not be tossed around. And hopefully today... As we talk, we're going to learn the same lesson for us. Because I think hopefully it's pretty simple to see how easy that ties into everything going on in our world right now. But let's talk about it some more. In Titus it says this, uh, just like Jacob too, my intention was to teach a short passage from the middle of the last chapter in Titus. And then I started studying it, reading it. I'm like, none of this makes sense without any of this. Without me knowing and y'all understanding what's going on. Paul starts his letter with this. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior. <clears throat> Father, we love you. And as we get to get into your word, I pray that you would give us confidence in you, courage to follow you, wisdom to understand, and the grace to go against our own ways and our own wants and do what you want us to do. We need this, God, and we need you. Amen. So, you know, it's funny to me, a lot of times, um, I learned this a long time ago in a class that we used to do called the Shepherd Group here, that so many people just kind of gloss over these sections of Scripture where it's the intro, and here's who I am, and here's who I'm talking to. And if we're not careful, we start looking at these as just an intro. And while they are an intro to a letter, 
they still are scripture breathed out by God, profitable for wisdom, teaching and rebuking and training godliness, right? So there's so much that gets said here. We're not going into too much of it, but I want to point out something that he says that's very important in his intro. He mentions God, the God who never lies. Because we're going to find out in a minute that the church at Crete had some really messed up beliefs about who God is. They'd allowed a lot of their thinking about who God was and the other gods out there to come into their heads and think, well, this is what God the Father's like too. And he, he's nothing like that. But, but so when, when, when Paul sends Titus to Crete, he says, listen, there's some things that I need you to do there. There's three main reasons that he talks about in this letter. One is to appoint church leaders. Two is to rebuke or correct false teaching and false understanding. And three is to challenge believers to live godly lives that make the gospel attractive to the people who are around them. And to be honest, until I, I really delved into this passage for you know, preaching today, I didn't really know that much about Crete. I knew it was an island off Greece and all that kind of stuff. But here's what I found out. Crete was a mess. Crete was not a good place. It was a violent, vulgar, promiscuous place where pretty much anything went on. The Cretans were known for being liars and untrustworthy. In fact, in fact, it was so well known, everybody's opinion around them. One Greek word for liar was kretizo which means to be from Crete. And so if I thought you were a liar, I'd say, you must be from Crete. That's how bad the reputation was. And it was not only that, it wasn't just things like that. It was, uh, it was the men were, most of them had served as mercenaries, and, and the, the term serve there is, is really not a good term because it's not service at all. Uh, those guys would sell their swords to the highest bidder. Their only allegiances were to their wallets. And the women there were honestly no better. Um, one of the problems that they had going on is they, they really, really liked promiscuity. In fact, so much so that they wouldn't get married so they didn't have to get stuck with just one dude. Um, and that happened a bunch. So that there was family issues. The men cared about themselves only. The women really were worried about what they wanted. And Crete was a huge mess. And I'm going to tell you this. If it were me and I were going to get to pick a missionary posting... I would be like, God, let me go down to Costa Rica or the Bahamas, maybe. Um, yeah, send me somewhere like that. Give me some, you send me Hawaii. Let me be a, a missionary there. Well, Paul gets Crete. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to send you to an island. I'm going to send you somewhere nice. It's Crete where these people live this way, and they have all these kinds of problems going on. But perhaps the biggest problem with the church at Crete was they had assimilated some of their ideas about God, the gods who they used to serve, into the one true God, like I said. And so the people had, in Crete had believed a really weird thing. They believed that Zeus was God, and Zeus was actually born on one of their islands. And the funny thing about it was, I was, I was talking to somebody just a little bit ago, uh, the God that's there as Zeus, the mythologies and the stories they told him about, sounded more like somebody from a Marvel cartoon, like, like Loki, than it did about the one true God. Because he was known for going around and causing trouble and, and sleeping with women and lying and conniving and causing problems instead of being a God that, caused, that fixed problems. And so when they saw the new God come in, the one true God come in, it was funny because they were like, well, this is what God is like. And it's, it's strange to me well, I'm going to say something that should not be controversial in the Christian church. Every other God is a false God. Okay? Every other false God comes from one place. And so we should not be surprised when they behave like this, when they lie and cheat and steal and kill and destroy. 
And so these gods are out there, these false gods are out there, and their, their, their ideas about who they are starts coming into their brains and thinking, well, this is what the one true God is like. And they were confused about the character of God and what Christian life should be. But it permeated so much of the church at Crete, not just the thinking around it, but even the people in the church were thinking that that was uh, what he was like. And these are some of the main reasons Paul tells Titus that you have got to appoint elders. He sent elders there because battling this kind of bad teaching and this, that had filled the church was more than a one-man job. So he's like, man, you've got to go there and you've got to get some guys that are good Christian men that believe correctly, that they live correctly, and you've got to appoint them and get them to help you fix this horrible teaching. And I'm not going to go into all of the... Uh, the criteria for elders and stuff like that. Obviously, as a church body, we've just been through those things uh, since we just appointed elders. Um, uh, like Jacob said the other day, he, if, if you have a problem with what he said, you don't need to go talk to him. You need to go talk to the elders because he's not one of them. He was very happy about that. Uh, I am one of the elders, so if there's a problem with something I'm teaching, you come to me and tell me about it. Um, so... Uh, we went through all of that. We appointed elders here because we know that there's even the same things going on in, in, in the churches, not just our church, but the church in general. We have bad teaching. But Paul tells Titus, get these men to come around you, people that are living the correct life as best as they can. They're not perfect men. Nobody here that, that got appointed here or anywhere else as an elder, including Crete, was a perfect person. But with everything they were, they were striving to be who God wanted them to be. And so he says, appoint these men, let them help you battle this stuff. They need to be the husband of one wife. They need to have other godly characteristics. And we're going to do some things. And here's the reason that you need elders. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced. Since they're upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in their faith. And so people inside the church who claimed to be believers were adding things to the gospel. Like, okay, if you want to be a good Christian, you must be circumcised. Otherwise, you can't get into heaven. And we all know that anything, anything that you add to the gospel makes it immediately a false gospel. Right? If I say that you have to do anything other than accept the free gift of salvation that God provided for us through Jesus Christ on the cross, give him your life in exchange for his, then I've made a false gospel out of it. If I say one more thing, and you need to get baptized, serve this way, do this that way. If I say those are requirements to become a Christian, I'm lying now, right? And that's what was going on. They were making up things that were just not true. And Paul... Paul's a very, very smart guy. Paul was a very crafty guy. And he goes, listen, even one of their own philosophers calls them names, right? He calls them, what does it say? It says, always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. You can be mad at him if you want to. I didn't say it. He said it. And he goes on to go, now I agree with him, but be mad at him because I didn't say it. He said it. It's true. And then he says something that I don't think that we're always comfortable with. He tells them to point these men and go have them, rebuke them sharply. Listen, man, not everybody fusses at you as your enemy. Not everybody who calls you out in a hard fashion is against you. In fact, everybody, everybody that I can think of who has ever helped me immensely in my faith or in my life has been hard on me. They've said things to me that I do not want to hear. They've fought with me when I don't want to listen, when I just want to be pig-headed and right. They've said, no, I'm not settling for that with you. And I still don't listen sometimes, just to be clear. But everybody who's ever helped me has been hard on me. In fact, one of the things I, I want you to think about is it says this. 
Well, think about it this way is what I mean. If my child were approaching a dangerous snake that was poisonous, does it make sense for me to say to them, oh, oh, honey, could you please consider what you're about to do because you might be putting yourself or others in danger and it could be really, really bad. I don't know if you've thought about that. Or does it make sense for me to go, hey, stop, stop, stop what you're doing. And it may sound hard and it may sound hateful for the people that don't understand what's going on, but let me tell you something. They need to stop and they need to trust me. They don't need to understand first necessarily. Maybe they need to go, okay, maybe I'm wrong. What's going on? And then they can look around and see, oh, that. I've had that happen countless times in my life, and I pray it still happens more. Where somebody loves me enough to say, hey, you're wrong, stop it. And even if I don't like it, even if I get my feathers in a ruffle, I have the sense and God gives me the grace enough to go, okay, maybe, wait, let me check, right? And you think about it, even Jesus did this with the Pharisees. I think for the longest time I thought Jesus was just chewing out the Pharisees for how they were abusing people and abusing their authority and abusing their power over people. And he was fussing at them and chewing them out and throwing over tables for the Pharisees too. He wasn't just throwing them away like they didn't matter. He was like, guys, you matter. And what you're doing is causing you to be in danger. And he was, in some people's minds, hateful to them. But he did it because he loved them and they were in danger. And they were putting other people in danger. And so Paul tells Titus, you have got to go and have these men rebuke them sharply because they're in peril. And it says this, I love it. It says, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in their faith. His call isn't, Look, go fuss at them so they'll just shut up. It's go fuss at them so that they'll get sound in their faith and they'll become profitable men for the kingdom of God. That's the call, right? And so, now I'm going to go scroll down. I'm not used to this yet. Hold on. Here's the other thing. I also think that, that we have in our Christian culture, we tell people that, we, we tell them what they should not do without giving them something better to do. You understand what I'm saying? I feel like a lot of times the church is known as, hey, don't do that. Hey, don't do that. Hey, don't do that. Stop that. Ooh, mm, saw you. Right? Instead of going, hey, those things are not good for you, let me give you something better to do, something that will take that desire to be doing those things or being filled with that into something that's actually beneficial and actually profitable. And so Titus says this in, in chapter 2. He starts telling them, hey, man, we've got to teach people how to live differently than the culture around them. So Titus says, hey, man, teach the older men that they should be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, among other things, so that they display the character of the one true God counter to what they, people were teaching and thinking about how he was like Zeus. Live your life in a way that shows people that our God is not that God. He tells, uh, he tells older women, he says, hey, man, you need to consider the way that you, you behave and the way that you live. You need to stop gossiping about people. You need to stop sleeping around. You need to become guy, ladies who love your husbands and love your children well and, and are about the things you're supposed to be about and become such experts at it that you train the younger women how to do that in their marriages, how to take care of their kids. Why? So that the gospel looks good. Now, I'm going to say this now. I intend to say it later, but I just want to make sure I'm not confusing. With it. The gospel looks good in and of itself, right? It doesn't need me to pretty it up. I can't fix it and make it better looking. But what I can do and what I often do and what I'm afraid a lot of us often do is actually make it look bad, right? By the way that we do things and the way that we say things, instead of giving it its one true light and allowing it to shine like it should, we muddy it up by the attitudes and the arguments that we have. And I promise we're getting into that in just a second. 
But Paul addresses here, he even says one of the things that I thought was interesting, here's another place that he addresses slaves, and the Bible addresses slaves often. And I've heard some ridiculous things that people have said about that. Well, because it addresses slaves and it doesn't say, hey, just free all the slaves, that it means that it's okay with slavery. Well, that's not what it's saying here. In fact, it's saying something just the opposite. The fact that it treats people that were bond servants or slaves, the fact that it addresses them at all tells you that it sees them as having intrinsic value, that they have the same value as a free man. Because regardless of the circumstances they're in, Paul says they need to know these things too because the gospel is for them as well. And so it tells, them, it tells them something interesting. He says, essentially, even though it would make sense for you to be argumentative and angry and even steal from them, don't do it so that the gospel may be adorned. And I love that it shows that word, adorned. Like you put drapes on it to make it look better. You put something around it to make it pretty. In other words, by my life, I put it in its proper place. He says this, Titus 2.11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. In the present age, whatever circumstances you're in, whatever we find ourselves in, whether it be good or bad, not when it passes, not when it goes away, when we're in the next season, but in the middle of the trial of our lives, or in the, in the middle of the times that are great, today we're supposed to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives because we are waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself a people of his very own possession, who are zealous for good works. Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Paul says, teach these things because it matters. It matters because Jesus came and died. But not only that, he is coming again. And that has got to change the way that we live and serve and hope. And one of my favorite things about this is in another translation, it says that Jesus came to set apart for himself a peculiar people. I love that word. Why? I don't know. Um, because I, I know that whether you know it or not, sometimes y'all testify me about me because y'all be like, man, that Howard, he's a peculiar guy. Amen, amen. I am a peculiar guy. But I think the peculiar is talking about here, it's being so different that when you're going through the junk in your life or the good things in your life, people look at you and go, why are they acting like that though? Why are they not getting angry like I would? Why are they not engaging like I would? Why are they not fighting? Or why are they not wasting time on this or that? Why are they not behaving like I would. That's peculiar. And it becomes a testimony of who we are, but more importantly, who we are in Christ and who he is. Because our lives begin to transform and change in ways that are people like, I knew you when, but what about now? And so, ultimately, he says, man, it's supposed to be, make people say, what's going on? And we get to tell them, the gospel changed my life. I'm still not perfect. I still don't have it going on. But the gospel's done something to me I couldn't do it myself. Paul tells Titus, remind them to be submissive to rulers. And you're not going to like this one, some of us. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and show perfect courtesy towards all people. Why? For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray. Slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. 
But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, renewal of the Holy Spirit, who he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things. So that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. I have no idea why it's so easy for me to so easily forget how messed up I used to be. But a lot of times, man, I get frustrated with people and I'm just like, ugh. Why are they that way? Why do they think that way? Why do they do that? And I forget that apart from Jesus Christ, I'm just like it. And even with Jesus Christ, I'm still like it sometimes. I look at them and I point a finger at them and I go, you, instead of going, what about me? If it weren't for Christ, I don't even want to think about who I would be or if I would be. And we get mad at people. And we, instead of showing them the things that he says, it says that we're supposed to be void quarreling, to be gentle and show perfect courtesy towards all people. Because we were just like them, and apart from Christ, we would still be just like them. It's interesting then, though, because he gives this warning. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stores up the vision after warning him once and then twice, have nothing to do, more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, who is self-condemned. It's interesting to me that he says, devoting yourself, be careful to devote yourself to good works because they're excellent and profitable. And then immediately says, but avoid these things because they're unprofitable and worthless. And I don't know about you, but when I read that, I was like, Welcome to today's world. This is where we are as a country, as churches. Everything that's going on right now is buffeting us around like those waves that we talked about, pulling at us and being like, hey, listen to me, listen to me. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. And I'm not saying that those things aren't important and we shouldn't be talking about them. I'm just saying that we get so focused on them that we treat the gospel like it's secondary and they are primary. And the church today has so conflated them that we're acting like that the gospel hinges on what political party you vote for or what you think about different thoughts about how we ought to interact socially. Listen, those things matter. I'm not saying they don't matter. I have strong opinions on all of them. I don't know if you noticed that about me. But I do have very strong opinions about it. But if I'm not careful, I'm going to get drug along by those waves and just be arguing like the rest of the world going to be saying here's why i'm right and here's why you're an idiot and guys it can't be that way we've got to do it differently we've got to be talking in ways not just to win arguments as if our opinion and the topic is more important than, than people knowing jesus and i, I like i said i know this because i've done it if i'm not careful i'm going to do it again and for the longest time the church has been known not as a brotherhood that loves one another or a hospital for a sick but a place for you to go and be judged and condemned but thank God for using Paul to remind us just a few verses ago, like I said, even if, even if we're 100% right and the person that we're discussing something with or arguing with is 100% wrong, which is very, very unlikely, by the way, 
even if that were the case, even if we were just like them, there's a reason they think the way that they do. Right? Christ, Christ on the cross prayed, man, forgive them, God, for they know not what they do. They were murdering him. But we get an argument on Facebook, and we want to defend it like it's the most important thing on the world. Like this is all that matters. The gospel has got to be central to what we are doing and thinking. It is how we look at all the issues in the world. And we should be engaging people with those issues, in those issues, not the way the world does. Oh, you're a Marxist. Oh, you're a racist. Oh, you're a this or that. None of those things matter. It matters how do I get them to the gospel? What can I agree with them about so that we can stop stupid fighting and get to where we need to be, which is Jesus came and died. And he died for your foolishness and he died for mine. He died for your sinful, wicked attitudes and mine. And but we don't want to do that. We don't want to talk about that. We wanted to talk about whether CRT is Marxist. Look, to be clear, I do not think CRT is good. I'm sick of talking about it. Can we talk about the gospel half as, as excited as we talk about something like that? Can we tell people, hey, Jesus loves you and it'll fix some of this stuff. I love you. I don't care if we're different. Praise God we're different. I get sick of vanilla ice cream all the time. I don't want just it. I want differences among us. Right? I'm not talking about sinfulness or wickedness. I'm not talking about aborting babies and saying it's okay. It ain't. But if all we want to do is fight with people about abortion and not engage them with the gospel, we're not winning anybody. It doesn't matter. We need them to get to Jesus because you know what? Jesus has a problem with killing kids and he'll change their heart. That's where we've got to get to. But we get caught up in these foolish conversations. We, not y'all, we. And I'm like, God, how? I had uh, one of the sweetest, hardest, saddest conversations I had with one of my kids. Who I was telling, hey, you need to let God handle this. You need to surrender to him. You need to just let him take care of it. And they said the most honest thing that was so helpful. They said, the dad that works for you, I don't know how to do what you're talking about. How? How? And so often we tell people, stop doing this, but we don't tell them how. But Paul doesn't do that to us. He tells us how. We go back up a verse and he says, devote yourself to good works. They're excellent and profitable. I don't know about y'all, but I am not my best person when I have too much time on my hands. If I'm devoted to good works and I'm trying to reach people with the gospel of Christ, I'm going to be too tired to argue about stupid stuff. I'm not going to have the energy to want to fight all day with people that are not even trying to fight with me. Or even if they are, I'll have sense enough to go, that is not worth me spending my energy on. And then, because I've removed my emotion and my feelings and my opinion from it, I can go to them and say, hey, let's talk about this and agree with them where I can agree with them, disagree where I need to, but listen. Listen to them so that when we have an exchange of ideas, I get the same mind too, which is Jesus came and died and rose again. And because of that, we all have hope for it to be different than this one day. Because one day he is coming back and he's going to make it different than all of this. But so, here's the, um, here's my challenge for us today. Well, all that was the challenge too. 
In Titus 3, 14, it says, And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. I like that it uses the word learn. It doesn't say just do it. That would have been a stupid answer when I was talking to my kid. Baby, just do it. Just do it. No. you got to learn to do it. It comes through practice, which also means it comes from messing up again. It comes from repentance. Oh, I did that again. I need to turn from it and turn back to what I'm supposed to be doing. And so we, we learn to vote, devote ourselves to good works in cases of urgent need so that we're not unfruitful. And so uh, I'm going to steal from Paul here. And I'm going to insist that we devote ourselves to good works. One of the things that Living Hope has always been known for is that we were devoted to good works. And I don't know that that's our testimony right now. And so I'm going to tell you this. Listen. The preschool needs you. And you need the preschool. Children's worship and youth need you. And you need children's worship and the youth ministry. Hospitality, CEO, which is our college and young adults. Worship. I could go down the line. There's not a ministry here at Living Hope that doesn't need you. But I'm going to say this with all sincerity. You need the ministry more than it needs you. God is not waiting around hoping that we'll come in and do the things that he cannot do. That is not at all who he is. He wants us involved in the works that he has planned for us to do ahead of time so that he can grow us and change us and impact the kingdom as he impacts us. I, I know, I know, we're in the middle of COVID. I know that all the stuff is going on. All of these things are like the waves that are designed to push us away from what we're supposed to be about, and we've got to get back to it. We've got to draw a line in the sand at some point and say, okay, from here on out, here's what we're doing. We're going to learn to devote ourselves to good works so that we're not unprofitable. And the gospel is made attractive by us living a life that shows what it truly is. And guys, this is the gospel. God loved us so much that even while we were his enemies, he sent his one and only precious and unique son to die on a cross to pay for the sins of anyone who would turn from their way and allow him to be their God. And if any of you have not done this, I'm telling you, listen to me, it is the best thing. It's the most excellent thing. Everything else I said up to here isn't, isn't available to you because you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you to do these things. I've told you that even as believers, we still constantly struggle with these things with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ on the cross to help you live in a way that is different than the culture lives. And so if you haven't done that, in a minute I'm going to pray. We're going to play some worship songs. Feel free to come down here and talk to me about it. Come down to the altar and kneel before God and confess your sins. He is faithful and just and will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We need you. So much of what we've talked about today, God, is, is so hard for us. God, so many of our ways and our thoughts and our ideas seem right to us, but you even said in your word, there's a, a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to destruction. 
Now, I know that's, that's about heaven and hell, but it also is about our daily lives, I feel like. God, so as, as we come to you today and as we sing to you and as we worship you, God, if there's anything in us that needs to change, I pray that you would teach us. God, since there are things in us that need to change, I pray that you would teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. No stand and sing with us.
Thank you. 